Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable. 
and you are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio, Monday through Friday, after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero here, worldwide on GroundZero.radio, the Aftermath FM Ground Zero app. You can also search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player and listen for free. If you'd like to get rid of the monetized advertisements, you can subscribe to our archive at thesecretteachings.info. You can also find my books there on the website, including my new book, Liberty Shrugged. Very important for the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, as the midterm elections approach. If you've never listened to The Secret Teachings before, this is not a political show, per se, although everything can be turned into politics. I'm not a left or right-leaning person, per se. I like to look at things circumstantially, and I've noticed over my 13 radio years that that can get you into a lot of trouble when you're on networks that seem to lean in one direction or the other, both Republican and Democrat, and even down the middle for that matter. You either toe the party line, the identity of the group, or you end up being booted out. And we're finding that uh, in radio... Even in the independent alternative radio world, if you will, that you really can't have your own opinion there either, as I've experienced being myself prevented from posting on Gab, prevented from posting on Gitter. I'm not exactly sure what is so offensive about this radio show, but it seems to be in the algorithm. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, tstradio at protonmail.com. That's how you can get a hold of us. It is Friday, November 4th, 2022. And, uh, of course, the midterm elections are on Tuesday next week. Joe Biden told us, we played the clips last night, that we're going to need to wait several days to count the ballots. Well, at least to count the legitimate ballots, he said, to make sure that the ballots are counted legally. They don't want you thinking that there could be any kind of oddity. And that's coming from someone myself who isn't even necessarily someone who has been a proponent of, quote, election fraud. Again, I like to look at things as objectively as possible. I like to see the evidence. But, you know, we tend to recognize when there's an elephant in the room, regardless if we choose to address the presence of that elephant. But when you move the elephant out of the way, you have another animal. You have a donkey dead center in the room. And that donkey demands that we focus our attention on the elephant and ignore everything else. I found this amazing coming from, again, as best as I can, an objective point of view, someone who's not really left or right. I've really watched as millions of voters officially, even according to NPR, have registered as Republicans leaving the Democratic Party. We've seen independents more recently, even libertarians, shifting their support massively toward the Republican Party. Not the classical GOP, but the new Republican Party, as they call it. Or people might call it common sense, for, 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 for that matter. Now, this is statistically verifiable. Even if you see these ads that say, I'm John from wherever, I own a gun, I'm voting for Democrats, even though I've been a Republican. The statistical reality is actually the opposite. And the donkey in the room is this. This is what my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is all about. It's not a book written from a conservative point of view. It's written from a historical point of view about the American Civil War, the American Revolution, a new look at American history. And the donkey in the room is this. Contemporary Democrats are obsessed with skin color, just like their 1828 counterparts, even to the point where if you don't vote for a Democrat, or at least if you don't say you're going to vote for a Democrat, they don't even consider you black, Hispanic, or anything. 
It's as if your skin color inherently determines your political ideology. If you want proof of that, just listen to Joe Biden tell you that you ain't black, quote, unquote, if you don't vote for the Democratic Party or Joe Biden. And of course, he said poor kids are just as smart as white kids. See, contemporary Democrats are also obsessed with other identifying features like sex or gender to the point where pornography is placed into the hands of children in the name of education, just like the Bolsheviks and the, and the Soviet communists attempted to do to destroy the German culture and society back in the 1920s in Weimar, Germany. Contemporary Democrats are obsessed with these things to the point where if you're a woman, doesn't matter your skin color, but if you're a woman, you are expected to vote Democrat to protect your right not to be a strong mother, a strong woman, a strong person, but to murder your child up until the point of birth, and even after, as they've suggested in places and introduced legislation in places like New York, kill the baby after they're born, or in Virginia, or here even in Arizona. And that's not health care, that's extremism, and that's ritual sacrifice as far as I'm concerned. This is an ideological cult that only sees skin color, it only sees sexual preference, it only sees identity in the mind, and it ignores the biology of the body. And personal virtue is part of the ideological cult, a personal virtue that can be achieved by obsessively using words like sexism and transphobia and nationalism and white nationalism and Nazi and things like this, despite the fact that modern progressivism comes from Mussolini's Italy and Hitler's Germany. Modern progressivism and technocracy comes from modern communist China. It comes from the uh, aristocratic uh, British that founded the eugenics movement, which was instituted in the United States of America by by what were at the time uh, what we would call probably, I don't know if I'd use the term liberal, but left-leaning individuals that supported Hitler and Mussolini. They were behind the eugenics movement. This is where Planned Parenthood came from. And Planned Parenthood today, as you know, 38% of all abortions are black babies. Another huge percentage, Hispanic babies. And this is a massive percentage in and of itself, but considering that those groups of people make up small percentages of the population statistically, it's basically genocide considered healthcare. These are the people that founded the KKK that targeted not only black folks, but white folks as well, who refused to acknowledge the white privilege of their skin. This is all official history. And anybody who attempted to register former slaves as voters, well, they were attacked and lynched alongside of anybody else. These are the same kinds of tactics psychologically that were employed by the Marxist BLM organization officially, officially, admittedly. And if you're Candace Owens, you're a woman, you have dark skin, but you're a Republican, then your voice doesn't really matter. In fact, Democrats were so scared of former slaves that they would vote for Republicans, they actually led crusades to murder people at voting centers. This happened all across the South. Massacres at voting centers, intimidation and fear, guns and knives, people being beaten to the ground, forcing people to decide, well, I'll just vote Democrat so I don't get my skull crushed. This is all official history. You can even read this on the History Channel website. It's unbelievable. Uh, in most cases, it was just they just they just didn't have Republican ballots. Something we've seen recently in the state of Arizona, where the Democrat convicted racist current Secretary of State Katie Hobbs was unable to get Republican tickets to a lot of the polls during the primary election. So you put all this together and, and, you, and you, you read the words of like a Martin Luther King. They always talk about Martin Luther King and civil rights. 
But his words are inverted. We no longer judge people based on character. We judge them on skin color, sex, gender, political identity, etc. And that's just wrong. There isn't any other way to describe it or, to, or, or, or discuss it. And these are the people, and this is the donkey in the room that advocates for safe spaces and free choice while censoring, banning, blocking, and unleashing vile perverse uh, per, perversions and insults at anyone who dares to even be neutral. The donkey in the room is violence in the form of riots and looting, the storming of the Supreme Court over Roe versus Wade, the storming of the state capital of Arizona, which happened a couple months ago, calls to assassinate judges, attempts to assassinate federal judges, attempts to assassinate Republicans at baseball games, Republican senators at their homes, Republican canvassers being physically assaulted in Florida recently, congressional candidates in North Carolina having their home shot just because they were Republican, people trying to stab Republican candidates for governor in New York, and of course, convenient illegal immigrants breaking into the Arizona gubernatorial headquarters for Democrats or Nancy Pelosi's house right before the election. Uh, there, there is zero condemnation of this violence, and we're supposed to listen to anybody and everybody who's a woman or has dark skin or who's this or that, unless they're Republican. We're supposed to listen to people of color unless they're Republican. If you're Larry Elder in California, a white liberal woman in a gorilla mask physically assaults you because you're a Republican. If you're Arizona Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, you can racially and sexually discriminate against uh, Talanya Adams, not show up to work, botch your current job, call to mutilate children, destroy police departments, take the money, and then refuse to debate your opponent and still want to be governor while calling your opponent names. This double standard is not only in the mainstream media, it's in the alternative media. And sure, most political races seem to be the lesser of two evils, two bowls of crap that you get to select from. But our system of representative government, our fragile republic, meaning all the things that you take for granted, is based on good ideas and good policies and good people and good representation and open discussion, etc. And as you can see by looking around you, things are not going well, despite what the Ministry of Truth attempts to convince you of. Our guest this evening who is here to join us in the first hour to discuss this, Christy Kelly. She's a mediator, HR business partner, and executive director of a community-based Humanity Assemble Foundation. She holds a JD and a Master of Law in Dispute Resolution from Pepperdine University. And Christy got a little bit of a taste of the Democratic Party at a recent event here in Arizona, where she's located like I am, when Barack Obama came to campaign for Katie Hobbs. Christy Kelly, thank you for coming on the show at such short notice. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ryan, for having me here. It's a, it's a pleasure. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what happened. You were a lifelong Democrat, and you've experienced some of the vitriol and the hatred. Not that that doesn't come from both sides, but just simply attending an event and being a Republican, and we don't even need to know anything else about you, and you get this, you've, you videoed it. You get these nasty people that come after you just because of, I don't know, your skin color or your, your ide political identity. What happened? Right. So I am, have been a lifelong Democrat, but I was always conservative. Like a lot of Democrats, like a lot of black Democrats, we hold traditional conservative values. But we're essentially born Democrats. Our, you know, our grandmothers were Democrats. You know, they have democratic, you know, presidents hanging up in the living room and our churches are democratic. So I kind of fell into that rut, even though 
nothing that I believed in was, was liberal. So I always wanted to, you know, break out of the mold, but I was afraid, you know, I didn't have the guts because, you know, you would be called a sellout or, you know, any of the other derogatory names they call you if you dare to be anything else other than Democratic. Uncle Tom, Coon, you know, the, 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 the gambit, right? And so I finally decided after the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back was the Biden-Harris um, administration. And I was just so disgusted that I was like, you know what? I am done. I don't care. I think it's a repression. I am done with this party. So I went on a journey. You know, I went down the journey of, you know, maybe libertarian and, you know, that didn't work. And you know what? Finally, I said, forget it. I'm going to see what the GOP is about. I'm going to see for myself if they're racist. I'm going to see for myself if they're intolerant. I'm going to see for myself. So I started showing up at events. And you know what? They are some of the most kind-hearted, welcoming people and so glad to see a face that doesn't look like theirs. So I'm red-pilled, and I'm officially a registered um, Republican. And I feel at home. I feel like these are my people. But I heard Barack Obama was coming into town. Now, just because I'm a Republican, I'm, I don't consider myself, um, you know, a crazy partisan. So I'm kind of, you know, like how you said, I'm more, you know, moderate. I'm willing to hear from anybody what anyone has to say. Obviously, I admired, you know, Barack Obama. He was, you know, one of the people that I, you know, have admired throughout the years. So I had to go see him. But I was not going to go and blend into the crowd. So I still wore what I would wear to almost any political event. I wore a Blake Masters t-shirt. I was not expecting the backlash that I got. And as you saw online, I got stopped. I got harassed. I got dirty looks. I got told that I need to move to the back of the crowd if I was Republican. Um, I got told that uh, one lady told me that she felt sorry for me and that she would pray for me and that I was being used. And it was just a gambit. So you you were told to move to the back of the crowd because you were a Republican, or at least that's, is that what you're presuming? Did they yeah, tell well, you that? Well, she looked at my, she looked at my shirt and she looked at my buttons. I had carried like button on. And she said, is that for real? And in my mind, I'm thinking, does she think it's a Halloween costume or, you know, and I was like, <laughs> right, yes, right, um, right. you know, <laughs> I support Lake Masters and, you know, and, and Carrie Lake. And so then she said, well, you need to move to the back because there's other people that can't see behind you. And so, you know, they could come up front. So then I was like, I was stunned. And so I start recording my phone at that point. And then I said, so you're telling me you want me to move to the back? And she goes, yes, I want you to move back. And then she kind of cleaned it up a little bit when she saw that I was recording. She was like, I can't breathe. And it's really crowded. So you could step back. And so I just said, I just ignored her at that point because you know what? My mother raised me to respect your elders. She was an older lady and I was not going to disrespect this woman, but for the duration of the night, she was extremely rude. I mean, she was talking in my ear and everything was commentary and I'm live tweeting the event. She's reading over my, she's reading my phone, what I'm tweeting and <laughs> making comments on it. There seems to be a sense of entitlement with these people. I mean, what you experienced is, is almost like a Plessy versus Ferguson, Rosa Parks situation. It's unbelievable that you find these 
think there are a little more than parallels that these people that claim to be so welcoming, so accepting, so loving, so caring, they want people to come to their side. And yet you show up an event at an event for all they know, you, you maybe you're a Blake Masters, Carrie Lake supporter, but you wanted to come to listen to what the platform was for Katie Hobbs. You're not there to create any kind of uh, scene. You weren't doing that. You want to come to hear what the platform is and they treat you like that. It's stunning. Right. Well, another reason that I needed to be there because I needed to hear in person if Barack Obama was going to address the racial discrimination um, case because I felt that was an extreme slap in the face um, to black Americans, to, you know, to everybody really that they're just ignoring the Kalania Adams case. And so I wanted to see what he was going to talk about. I didn't want to see it later. And I kind of felt like it was kind of, um, it was really free because my, it felt like my last tie to the Democratic Party broke. Mm-hmm. The fact that he never addressed it. Can you, can you, for the listeners, explain that case? Because I've mentioned it before. We don't cover local or political things a lot on this show. But can you explain what happened? Mm-hmm. What did Katie Hobbs do to this lady when she was working uh, at the state government? Sure. So Kalanya Adams, um, I believe she read in the paper um, what her salary should have been, what her white counterpart was getting. She was getting paid $30,000 less than her white counterpart. This was a woman with a JD and a master's degree. So essentially she was getting paid 60 something. He was getting paid 90 something. So she went to Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs was her direct supervisor. She went to her and was like, hey, you know, why am I getting paid less and demanded a raise? Well, at that same point in time, she had a sick child out of state that she needed to go attend to. I believe the child was maybe having surgery. Don't quote me on that. But she had a sick child who she had to go to attend to. So her supervisor, another supervisor that had to approve her, you know, brief leave of absence said, sure, go do what you have to do. So when she came back, they fired her. Now, it was Katie Hobbs had a direct um, link to her being fired. So she brought a case um, for sexual, I mean, um, sexual discrimination based on sex and race. She won that case. She represented herself. So this is the first time that she's been involved in a federal lawsuit. She represented herself. She won. Katie Hobbs then goes on TV and still insists that it was not discrimination, but it was for merit. It was because this a woman was poor, you know, in her job duties. So Kalanya sued her a second time directly based on the statements that she said. So this was in 2015 was this case. This woman right, so has this, been fighting this case. Right. So this wasn't like 30 years ago, something that's dug up from the past. This is relatively recently no. while Katie Hobbs is secretary of the state while she's, while she's, she's in office. Well, that initial, when she first happened, she was um, the leader of the Senate. So she was, you know, the head of, of, of the Senate. Yes. Um, she was actually in the Senate, but as she's secretary of now because the case has lasted for you know seven years because there's been appeals she's got sued twice so the only so as secretary of state she made these comments that the reason why she um got fired was not because of harassment but because of the performance so, so then she got, she got sued, sued again she sued she got sued again okay she sued twice and she and it was not until Katie Hobbs bid for governor 
that she actually came out and made her so-called apology, which was not an apology. She apologized that she wasn't a better advocate, that she wasn't a better ally for Ms. Adams. We don't need for... (laughs) Ms. Adams did not need an ally. She needed to not be fired for demanding that she get equal pay. It's as simp- so it's a, it's it's simple as that. And I mean, this is, seems to be the, the type of subject that takes up every mainstream media conversation. Everything is about equality. Everything is about equity, et cetera. But then you have a real life case of racial and sexual discrimination and media, both locally and nationally, never want to touch the subject. No, they have totally ignored it. So that's, that's the background on Katie Hobbs. Barack Obama was at this event campaigning for her and did not, of course, address that racial discrimination. From what I saw, at least one, maybe two other people, some people got thrown out of that event for trying to address that with Barack Obama. Did you witness that? Yes, I did. I didn't, I didn't even realize the gentleman was a couple of feet um, next to me. All of a sudden, he started, you know, kind of yelling and addressing, um, you know, Mr. Obama directly. And he got carted out. And right after, you know, Obama kind of made a joke, but he never mentioned it. So for me, again, huge slap in the face, disqualifying. I think it's actually a stain on Mr. Obama's legacy. The fact that he could stand up and not say anything. I would have been okay if he would have said, hey, you know, Katie did this. It happened. She deserves a second chance. You know, everybody makes a mistake. But to totally ignore it like it didn't happen. I still from Ms. Adams. I think she's, um, I don't know her. I've never met her. I've never spoken to her. She's a Democrat. I'm a Republican. We have, you know, political differences. I think she's an amazing, strong woman to have fought the system twice and won. That's right. She won twice. And I think that you would imagine uh, that at least local media would, I mean, if this was the other way around, if let's say Carrie Lake, the Republican, would have been convicted of this twice, you know that they would have had Miss Adams on TV every single day telling the public how racist she is. But when it's Democrat Katie Hobbs, the media doesn't want to discuss it or talk about it. And this is just a microcosm here in the state of Arizona. And again, these political so-called differences don't even really they don't even really mean or matter that much. You said, you know, Miss Adams is Democrat. You're Republican now. I've been independent. I registered as Republican for the for the primaries and now for the the general election. I'll be voting mostly Republican. You know, political differences aside and political issues aside, all this stuff aside, um, as you know, I, I hate and I don't like making things about skin color. But as someone who myself, I have pale white skin. I've been told I'm racist. I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of times, Christy. And it's always by someone else who's white. And that is very confusing to me. And I want to talk maybe a little bit about that, a little bit more about your experience. Christy Kelly is with us tonight on The Secret Teachings when we come back from break. You're the executive director of a community-based program called Humanity Assemble, the foundation. Is there a website for that? www.humanityassemble.com humanityassemble.com. All right. Our website, thesecretteachings.info. I'm Ryan Gable. Christy Kelly is with us this evening. And on Twitter, how can listeners find you? Is it at Kelly, the number four, Arizona? Yes, it is. 
All right, at Kelly for Arizona. We'll be right back with Christy Kelly after this short break. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings Radio Show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. From Ground Zero to the Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. If you'd like to hear more of the Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. Christy Kelly is our guest this evening, Executive Director of Humanity Assemble. She's also located here in Arizona, like I am, and she recently attended the Barack Obama campaign event for gubernatorial candidate Katie Hobbs, and she experienced firsthand, as I'll have, uh, have her tell you again, that when you're either Republican or you just simply don't fit into the left-leaning political paradigm, uh, they literally ask you to, in some cases, go to the back of the room. Don't stand next to me. I find it really strange, Christy, that this is the supposed party of love and acceptance and safe spaces. But if you don't agree, then you got to get to the back of the room, the back of the bus, etc. cetera. Uh, how did that make you feel? Do you just laugh that off? I think it's honestly shocking because while I was in line, I was, because we were in line for like two hours. So while in line, I'm engaging with people. And a lot of the people in line, well, most of the people in line were either um, black or Hispanic. And none of them had a problem with me being there. I talked to them about the Kalanya Adams case. All of them knew about it, but for them, they just kind of, you know, shrugged it off. And I think. The reason why people can ignore it, and I'm thinking about it now, Brian, is that we all know that black women um, across the board get paid less than their white counterparts. 
I think it's like for every dollar um, black women get paid like 68 cents is the last statistic I think I saw. So the fact that we know this, maybe that's why people don't find this as being such a big deal because of course she was getting paid less, right? So I think that's how they're able to kind of, you know, kind of hold their nose and still vote for Ms. Hobbs. But none of the black people, none of the Mexican people gave me any problem when we were in line. It wasn't until I got in line, and it was honestly the white people that were looking at me with mean looks, and it's like, as long as I'm a Democrat, I'm fine. But as, and, and it did, it, it shocked me. That's the one word I can say. I wasn't ready for it. It was shocking. You've been a lifelong Democrat, and now that you vote for Republicans in this new in this next election, this will be the first time, and you have this experience. I think shocking is a good word. I think it's also shocking when I hear, and there are so many cases of this, just probably the, some of the most famous, when Joe Biden says, if you don't vote, don't know who to vote for, don't vote for Democrats, you're not black. He said, you ain't black. Mm-hmm. White kids are, you know, or poor kids are just as smart and just as bright as white kids Uh, Joe Biden years ago referred to black kids as roaches. And then ironically, Sonny Hostin, I think is her name on The View, just said that if you're a Republican woman, then you basically are a roach voting for raid. So they like they use these terms that seem to be part of 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 the language, part of the lexicon. Um, There are a lot of things that I find parallels in, like, for example, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but. I study a lot of history, Christy, and I I read about the three-fifths compromise that people constantly refer to as being this racist thing uh, at the foundation of, of the U.S. government, of, of the U.S. republic, when in fact the three-fifths compromise was preventing slave owners from counting their property as people to get more representation in government so that they could extend the institution of slavery at the time. So it's kind of the opposite of what they say it is today. And I think that when you try to eliminate voting identification and you try to change the system so anybody can vote regardless if they know anything uh, about uh, civics or if they even can speak English for that matter or if they are even legal citizens it undermines the votes of people that are legal citizens regardless of what their ethnicity is or their sex or their race or etc whatever it's kind of a similar parallel there in the same way that I've always thought BLM Black Lives Matter, the group, used similar tactics to the KKK. They targeted people based on skin color and they harassed people based on skin color. They might not be as violent, but they do some of the same kinds of things. So it might be a different Democratic Party, but they still use a lot of the same tropes, a lot of the same words, a lot of the same ideology. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever recognized that? I definitely have. And I think the one instance that you haven't mentioned is Clarence Thomas. So as soon as it's, you know, the right type of black that they don't agree with, then it kind of gets cover for all of the racism against that person, like how we saw with Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas has been called every vile name by liberals in the book, and they're never chastised for it. They're never checked for it. It's allowed because he's not the right type of black. That's, that's right. So Kentanji Jackson can't define a woman, but she's the right kind of black. But Clarence Thomas is not, so he gets criticized. And they want to, I mean, Cortez even said we should impeach him because of that. Right, right. And for me, I feel like even if it's a differing viewpoint, you don't have the right 
to make somebody feel or think that you can call somebody the N-word. And we've actually, and I say we, black people have actually given whites a pass to call conservative black people the N-word. And, and I think that's wrong. No, it's very wrong. And I also find that, uh, as in your experience, you know, we have different color skin that doesn't define who we are, of course. But in your experience, you experienced something similar to what I've experienced. I mentioned to you when we were emailing each other um, a year or so ago, I was working at a little tiny grocery store and there were at least four different cases of white, very open liberal women. Uh, it was around the time of the BLM riots. So they were wearing BLM face masks and shirts to work, which was against the rules, but they got away with it. And they called me Nazi. They called me white supremacist. They called me all these terrible, they called my son a Nazi because he was two and I didn't put him in a mask. And these were all white, white liberal, proudly white liberal. Some of the one, one of them was an actual communist, but proud white liberal women who were harassing me because of the color of my skin yet not to make this about skin color, all the other people at this business I worked at that had darker skin actually were in agreement that they didn't support BLM and they didn't understand why I was being called. They were even one woman was even called an uncle Tom because she didn't support the white woman in the BLM gear. It's hard to, that was the first time I experienced that directly. So consistently, like that's hard to process I, uh, what do you think about that for, for, for me? Like I have a lighter skin, but that's how white people still treat me. It's, it's weird. I, I can't really grasp right. it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think I agree with Morgan Freeman when he said, you know, the way that we end our racial problem is to stop talking about it, you know? And I think from both Absolutely. sides. So, you know, I agreed to do this interview because that happened to me. And also I wanted to get out the fact that you know, the left projects racism on the right. And I've learned since I've been, you know, going to both libertarian and conservative circles, I have not experienced not one racial incident. I've walked up to just cold turkey, um, a lot of the candidates, and just started talking to them. And they've been so appreciative and so welcomed that I'm at their event. I am not getting paid by Donald Trump. I got that accusation today. I have not been promised any position. I have not been given any favors. I'm not on anybody's payroll. I'm going to these events. I'm posting because I want to show the other side. I want to show that somebody can be authentically black. Show up, you know, not quote unquote a sellout, but just I don't care about race on either side. So I'm not going to become the type of black conservative that's constantly, I'm not going to berate um, Democrats for quote-unquote staying on the plantation. I don't agree with that um, ideology either. I just want to stop talking about race. I don't want to ignore it, but I think, you know, if I deal with you as Ryan and you deal with me as Christy and we happen to be different skin colors, I think that will help um, erode the problem of racism. I also think once we realize it's more about class than race, then we can start kind of healing the divide. I completely 100% agree with you. And I don't normally do that with uh, guests 100%, but I completely 100% agree <laughs> from the Morgan Freeman statement 100%. I remember when he said that years ago, and I remember quoting him. This is when I first started radio. I quoted him on air, and I had people at the university I was doing the show out of 
who called me a racist for quoting him saying, let's stop talking about race and just get along with one another. So even that's racist to mm-hmm. some people. Right. Or even we can go back to Sol. And when he said um, that racism is on life support, it should be on life support. But what keeps revising it, re- reviving it, is the people on both sides, so right, the, the right-wingers and the left-wingers, keep bringing it up and keep pointing arrows at each other. And I feel like the more we do that, now we have to bring attention to it. Like I did, I posted the video because that was just ridiculous. And I also want to show, you know, the intolerance of the left. But that's not the only thing that I'm, that's like 2%. I talk about race probably 2% of what I'm about. Everything else is about um, class and community and helping each other and, of course, legal stuff because that's my background. I've noticed something kind of similar with Carrie Lake's campaign. Uh, we had a clip last night we played of Katie Hobbs being asked about why she wouldn't debate. And CNN, surprisingly, was even on her about it. Like, just debate her. If you know that she's wrong and she's a conspiracy theorist, then go on stage and shoot her down. There's a lot of reasons she's not debating. The race issue is probably one of them. But regardless of that, uh, when you listen to what the woman said, we played the clip last night. She says that all Carrie Lake is concerned with is election fraud. But it's the media that keeps mm-hmm. asking Carrie Lake about the election fraud. If you go to Carrie Lake's website, it's literally dozens of issues and just page after page of policies or homelessness and drug issues and all these other things that have nothing to do with the election. It's once again, the mainstream and all the, all the alternative media sources too, for that matter, that keep bringing up the election, just like they keep bringing up race. So maybe the reason or the way that we get rid of these issues is if we, we acknowledge them, like you said, but we just don't make them the focal point of every single discussion. And that's why, I find there's such a parallel between different Democratic parties, but for some reason, the modern Democratic Party tends to do what the 1828 Democratic Party of John C. Calhoun does. Every political issue is boiled down to race, and that's wrong. You know, when I was a Democrat, I used to think the mainstream media um, got dealt a raw deal. I kind of thought, you know, no, they're not really that biased, and no, they're not creating the news. But it was funny because the CNN reporter, um, she posted several different Democrats who were Republicans who were standing in line. So I pushed back online because, and I posted my picture because she passed right by me. She looked me in my eyes, she saw my shirt, and she kept walking. And so the media definitely has a narrative that they want to push. And I've been to probably a dozen now um, events of Carrie Lake. I've been there when she's done, you know, the press conferences after the event. I've stuck around. Carrie Lake, for the past, and I don't know what she did earlier, but for since I've been following her for the past, you know, two or three months, she does not, or I'll say she rarely brings up election stuff. She's asked about it every single time and then when they post it, they tag her with the election denier because they're the ones that keep stoking the flame. That's right. Yep, that's right. And it's the same thing with every other issue that becomes a talking point of largely the left, but the right does it as well. I mean, the right hasn't been honest about certain abortion laws that have at least been proposed or have almost, uh, I guess next year will take effect in some states. Like when Roe versus Wade was overturned. States like Arizona reverted 
because it's state law reverted back to a territorial uh, law on abortion. Now, that's something that the Democrats here in Arizona, and I want to go into the detail about this because this is a big issue for you, here in Arizona have been advocating for, got to vote, 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 make sure that we can protect abortion rights here in Arizona, vote, 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 protect abortion rights at the federal level, etc. But what they've not been honest about is the 15-week abortion ban, which will take effect here in Arizona starting next year, because it's not the law yet, that's just how the system works. It is allowing for rape and incest abortions, which are tiny percentages of the abortions uh, nationwide, very tiny percent, but it will allow for that within the 15-week period of time, roughly, and that's only arbitrary because it's based on uh, a Mississippi case that the Supreme Court looked at. So these little things about civics and law that both I think a lot of Democrats and Republicans don't understand, so they bicker back and forth about we should have this or we should have that. So when it comes to an abortion issue like that here in the state of Arizona, you have Carrie Lake who says we'll have to figure the law out because, you know, the courts can't figure it out yet. We need to see what's going to happen when this new 15-week ban takes effect. And rather than talking about it objectively like that and discussing circumstances that vary different situations, all people like Katie Hobbs and the Democratic Party here have done is say that they want to ban abortion outright under all circumstances, which is not true. Nobody's advocating for that in Arizona. And yet they don't want to talk about their policies, which when Katie Hobbs was asked, her policy is basically just you can have an abortion up until the time when the baby's head is coming out of the womb. So I don't know if you want to right. discuss this, but I know this is a big thing for you. You've got three daughters. Uh, you got three girls, three daughters. And, uh, you know, you want to let people know, of course, that they've got other options than just abortion. Take us into this subject. I know you're passionate about it. This is another reason why I will never again be a progressive, is the hysteria that came out after the Dobbs case really opened my eyes. So the money that came pouring in for abortion funds, um, they want to do mobile abortions. They want to even think about having abortions out in sea. They're, you know, have buses so girls could get an abortion. Why does the left insist on pushing abortion so strongly? And you mentioned it in your opening. If you go back to Margaret Sanger, her stated mission was for eugenics, to decrease the population of black children. And blacks disproportionately have more abortions. So right now, we've been stuck at 13% of the population. Is that by design? You know, I'll leave people to study that. When, you, when a person goes into a Planned Parenthood, first of all, they say, it should be between a, a woman and her doctor. Well, when these inner city um, girls are going into these abortion clinics, that's not her doctor that she can trust and that would give her options. She's not given an option. She's told, you know, here's the abortion, how much it costs. She's not saying you can keep your baby. Agencies will help you keep your baby. This is how you can make it. They're not saying, um, okay, there's adoption. They're not giving them options. They're only giving them the abortion. If we can put so much, yes, sir. I'm sorry. I was going to say it's a one size fits all policy. Brian, were you going to say something? Yeah, can you hear me, Christy? I can hear you. I'm sorry, I said it was a one-size-fits-all policy. Right, right. If they can push so much money into the abortion industry, 
why not funnel more of that money on the front end into educating, into, you know, birth control, into different things so that the woman never even has to get to the point of, you know, needing, needing the abortion. Um, I think I told you my story, but I'll tell it, you know, really quickly for your, for your audience. I found myself, you know, pregnant when I was a junior in high school. Now, my parents have been married for 47 years, so we have a strong family, so we banded together, and I had my baby. I immediately, well, after I graduated high school, I married her father. We went to, at that time, it was UC San Diego. We lived in campus housing. I then went on to get um, two law degrees. You know, I'm married today. I have three girls. That teenage child ended up getting a full ride to college. They would never tell my story. You don't hear, and, and my story is not unique. I know tons of women who found themselves teenage mothers or, you know, mothers while they were in college and were able to still get their education and, and, and be successful. So I hope to kind of be able to, you know, push back a little bit and say, tell, give women hope. Let them know that they have options. Another fallacy that's going around is if you have your baby, the baby's going to, you know, languish in foster care and, and not do well. That also is a misnomer that needs to be pushed back on. Babies do not end up in foster care. Babies get adopted. If you plan early enough, you can have a choice. You, you can pick who your baby goes to. Older kids are the ones that, you know, our, our foster care system kind of needs to work. But for the babies, they're not going to languish in foster care. That's also something the left would never tell you. And it's statistically verifiable. We've known this for a very long time. Criminologists have looked at this. It's the decimation of families, not just of black communities, but in general, that leads to higher crime rates, more drug usage, deterioration of society. And it's funny that Black Lives Matter, the group, Marxist in nature, according to the founders, literally, and they got in so much you know heat over this, they took it off their website, literally said their goal was to destroy the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. Why would a group that professes to be in support of black communities want to decimate those communities even further? You know, I mean, that's something that I've had a lot of people after I pointed that out, they say, Oh my God, you're right. It's on their website. How could anybody not see, see that? So Carrie Lake did um, one ask me anything. And she told her story about, you know, how she had a strong father and she was essentially, you know, raised by her father. And she really stood up for fathers and for, you know, strong families. I, my, my whole nonprofit is about, you know, well, one sector of it is father's rights. If we pay more attention to the fathers, if we build them up, if we help them to, um, you know, be the men that they need to be within the family unit, if we promote strong families the way Blake Masters, you know, is doing, then our society will be much better. And a lot of the problems that we have in our society is because of the erosion of the family. Now, when you, when she's, when Carrie Lake said this, there was an article written that actually called her racist for promoting fatherhood. That's incredible. I never read that article. I've only seen the video where Katie Hobbs says that she doesn't believe men and women are equal. Uh, but it's kind of the same type of uh, journalism there. Right. That, now, I was not asked that, ask me anything, but that definitely is. She did touch on that a little. That is a, that's a gotcha question. I'll just tell you from my, you know, personal perspective. You know, my husband has the things he's good at, and I have the things that I'm good at. 
Right. I don't take out the trash. I don't like to take out the trash. <laughs> he does it, you know? <laughs> you compliment each other. You know, we, both, we compliment each other. You know, it's not, it, it's not a salacious thing. I mean, the, the nuclear family is the most important thing in our society. And the erosion of it will solve so many of our problems. One thing I was talking to somebody and they were saying how the younger generation is not buying into the concept of marriage, especially in the black community. So a lot of times I'm finding with my work that um, black fathers are in the home. Black fathers are taking care of their children. They're just not always marrying the mother. So when the census comes around, she gets counted as a single woman. That black father could be living in the home or they could be separated. He could be seeing his kids, you know, five days out of the week. She's still counted as a single mother. I think that's wrong. And that's part of my advocacy work that I do around fathers. Well, you brought up uh, 13% of the population, the black community, 7% roughly are black females. And at any given time, only a smaller percent of them are pregnant. And as I said at the start, they account for 38 to 41, depends on the, st- the statistic in the year, but the CDC says 38 to 41% roughly of all abortions. That, to me, Christy, is genocide. That is eth- like racial, ethnic type cleansing. That's a massive percent of abortions for such a tiny percent of the population. Right. And, you know, someone who was just canceled was screaming that from the rooftop. Now, I don't always agree with everything he says. But there, you know, he has been screaming it. He's been screaming it for a long time. Why are there so many Planned Parenthood placed in, in the black community? Placed it's it's in like 60, 63%, I think, or somewhere. It's like 60-something percent, I think, are in those communities, I read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it goes back to the same reason. That's why there's so many liquor stores, right? Um, so, yeah, definitely. And, and I think once, well, there already has been an awakening. Like we can, you know, probably kind of touch on this for a hot second. There's been an awakening in the black community. Trump said it last time. He said more African American men are going to um, vote for me, and he was right. In higher numbers, they came over and they voted for him. The women were a little slower. There is a pocket. There's a a, a groundswell of black people who are done with the Democratic Party. Like their eyes are opening. I think even this abortion debate, because what happens is they ignore us, but then all of a sudden it's, oh, the poor black people, you're going to, you know, hurt them the most, right? We're only used as a political football when it's advantageous for, you know, the Democrat side. There is a group that is either done with the political process and has dropped out completely in I think conservatives can reach them if they have the right messaging or they, they're going to start registering as Republicans or Libertarians or the forward party. But I think that the Democrats are finding that their numbers among African-Americans are dwindling. It's almost as if, and in fact, I saw to confirm that I saw that one video, I think it was CNN or MSNBC where they were asking a group of Hispanic people why aren't you voting for Democrats anymore? Like they, 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 they need your vote. And there was that democratic thing on social media. I forget exactly where I saw it. It said something like, um, you know, why Hispanics are leaving the democratic party. 
Um, they, they always count on Hispanics for their vote. It was it was alluding to the idea that they basically own the Hispanic vote in the same way that they seem to think they own the, the black vote or they own this or that vote. And I mean, that is, again, the same kind of policies we saw a couple hundred years ago when the Democratic Party was formed, different party, but similar kind of ideology. Republicans are not you know, uh, you know, completely pure of, of all these types of things either. It's a complicated, complex history. Uh, Christy Kelly is our guest this evening. I would implore you to stay another half hour with us, but if you have to go, I completely understand. Um, do you want to give out? Oh, your... no, I can stay. I can you... stay. This is, this is fun. Okay. <laughs> one, I'm so happy you said that. I'm so happy. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm so happy you said that. Christy Kelly, she is the executive director of Humanity Assemble Foundation, Humanity Assemble com. We'll have more with her when we come back from break. We'll pick up this conversation, Christy, on the abortion issue and Planned Parenthood and other things when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is okay. The Secret Teachings. And that Twitter handle one more time, Christy? It's Kelly for Arizona. Kelly for the number four Arizona on Twitter. We are TST underscore underscore radio. Secretteachings.info. Stay with us. More after this. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. Hello. 
folks, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl up to the fall of back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm your host ryan gable thank you so much for tuning in whenever and wherever you are listening around the world as we broadcast worldwide on ground zero dot radio monday through friday 10 p.m to midnight pacific after clyde lewis and ground zero i believe clyde will be doing the after hours show on fridays for the foreseeable future so the secret teachings will start at 10 30 Pacific Time, U.S. Pacific Time, and go until 12.30 Pacific Time on GroundZero.Radio. You can also listen to the show, of course, as soon as it's over in the archives, any radio, podcast player, just search The Secret Teachings. If you listen to the show and those advertisements that are placed there, we don't put them there. We get support from that. That's one of the main ways that we are on air and financed and funded. I am the producer and the host and everything else for this show, so we don't have a big team. Put everything back into the show. We've done this for 13 years. You can subscribe to our archive at www.thesecretteachings.info. You'll get access to our montages, my digital books, all four of them, including my new book, Liberty Shrugged. You'll also get access to the private RSS feed, so you can take the show without those ads. And you can listen on uh, whatever player or application you choose to listen. That's again at www.thesecretteachings.info. And if you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Tonight on the broadcast, Christy Kelly joins us, Executive Director of the Humanity Assemble Foundation. In the first hour, we have been discussing the elephant and the donkey in the room. The donkey in the room of what seems to be a very similar political ideology today that we saw throughout the 20th century in terms of progressivism and technocracy as it relates to eugenics and population control and how that stems back to the KKK and stems back to the 1828 Democratic Party being founded as an institution intended to maintain slavery of particularly the black population in the southern states. And race was only later at the death throes of that institution, was only later used as justification for the institution. A really fascinating history You can read about it in my book, Liberty Shrugged, or I'd recommend highly Thomas Sowell. He wrote a great book called White Liberals and Black Rednecks, and that book describes it as well. Again, our guest, 
Christy Kelly. Christy, we've talked quite a bit about every major hot button issue tonight, including abortion in the last segment. And I wanted to ask you, because you've got three daughters, you experienced going to this Democrat event as a Republican for the first time and essentially being told to get to the back, don't go up front, stand in the back, sit in the back, don't get in front of people, don't get too close to people. And it was usually from white or exclusively from white Democrats that treated you that way. Similar experience to my own. I've had exclusively white Democrat, mostly women treat me that way and tell me that I'm all these terrible things because I don't agree with them or something like that. So as having three daughters and having experienced that and having been made, uh, I don't know how long you've known this about Planned Parenthood and eugenics. How do you feel about that as a mother? And and how do you try to impart the, um, the, the wonders, if you will, the beauty, if you will, of femininity and motherhood and all these other things about what it means to be a woman to your daughters? How do you respond to that in this climate? Right. One thing that I definitely preach, again, that strong family unit. And I noticed when, you know, my two younger girls, because uh, you know, I have one, I have the separation, so one's an adult now, and then I have, you know, two that are now um, 16 and 13. So when they were in middle school, I started noticing all kind of strange behaviors creeping in. I mean, they would come home and they would say stuff like, fight the patriarchy, you know, and just, just kind of weird behaviors that we never, you know, preached in our, in our household. And a lot in, I think a lot of the agenda, I'll just say, was, was creeping in from school. So it got so bad that what I did was I pulled my kids out of school for three years and I homeschooled. And I homeschooled initially right before COVID and I homeschooled a year after COVID. So it was, you know, right during that, that time. So it was a perfect timing because it was COVID anyway. And during that time, we also instituted something in our family where we're not Jewish, but we still kind of observe um, Saturday the Sabbath. So from sunrise to sundown is family time. And we try to put away the electronics and we talk to our kids and, you know, we do anything they want to do or we go places or if the kids have sports, you know, any, it just has to be a family event, family time. We keep an open door. We say, ask us. Now, one of my daughters, um, she has Asperger's. And so she's very high functioning. But if you know anything about kids on the spectrum, they are sponges. So we had to also watch their social media. So you know, TikTok, you know, we don't do TikTok. Um, I monitor their, you know, any other social medias they're on, we monitor it. Um, YouTube can only be on the family computer. We don't have TVs in the bedroom. Computers aren't allowed to be in the bedroom. Really, we watch what our kids ingest. And as parents, we try to set the tone. And it also helps because I think me and my husband are still kind of cool. So (laughs) (laughs) they don't mind hanging out with mom and dad. (laughs) Well, I saw that your daughter is uh, excited about um, Carrie Lake, or she's excited about, I guess, uh, just politics. And did you, I'm guessing because of your interest, she got interested in that as well, or did she kind of find it herself? No, honestly, um, she says kids don't talk about it at school. They said kids do not talk about politics. I She put um, the Black Voices for Carrie button on her backpack as we went to the rodeo. So this whole season, I've never made, you know, even my husband, I, I never made any of them go with me to anything. I just go by myself. But the rodeo, because it was such a family event and it was on a Saturday, 
I was like, hey, it's Saturday, it's family day, let's all go. That particular child, she loved it. She thought Carrie was amazing. She thought she was an amazing speaker. She thought she was beautiful. She thought the energy was great. She loved it. So she put the button on her backpack. And I was actually kind of afraid for her to put it on her backpack to go to school. But And I started to warn her about it. But I was like, you know what? Let it go. Because sometimes we push stuff on our kids. And we don't need to push our insecurities and our fears onto our children. She had people ask her about it. She explained it. She didn't get one negative statement. Everybody was fine with it. So last night, she begged me to go to the rally. Now, I am rallied out. I could you not. I've probably been to a dozen of these. I did not want to go last night. She begged because she hadn't had a chance to meet Carrie yet. So it made her night when she met Carrie. And Carrie actually recognized her because that post went viral. Um, and Carrie actually retweeted it. So when Carrie saw her, she actually kind of, you know, like gave her a big hug and was so happy to see her because Carrie actually recognized my daughter. So that was a nice moment. So I think when we talked earlier about how if we stop discussing certain types of controversial things that are divisive, like let's stop discussing our differences in terms of race and a lot of those issues will go away. I think it's I think it's a good example in like how your daughter is excited about Carrie Lake and how you see there are a lot of kids that come to these events. But when you look at a Katie Hobbs event, with the exception of the Barack Obama event that you went to and kind of got harassed at, there's hardly anybody there. There's like no there's like zero enthusiasm in there in the videos and the pictures that they post like nobody's excited about it. Nobody cares about it. So when you see like okay. I've seen I've seen kids that are excited yeah, it could be because of their parents, but some, you know, kids are smart too. So kids that are excited about Carrie Lake or kids that are excited about, you know, going to like, yeah, like a Trump rally or Republican type rally, because there's energy and there's people there that people are nice and it's exciting. And there's a lot of energy at that. Kids can feel that maybe even more than adults. So when I think of that, I feel like it, it has had nothing to do again with, you know, skin color in the same way it has nothing to do with politics. It's just people, including children, recognizing hey, there's a community where you can feel accepted and like you're a part of something. And the other side, generally speaking, seems to have none of that. No energy. Nobody cares except political zealots. That's my perspective. What do you think of that? Right, right. Definitely. I mean, even at the Barack Obama rally, I'm looking around. I, I did not see a Katie Hobbs merchandise table. Unless the people were working for her, I didn't see anyone with shirts on, buttons. I think people are just voting for her because she's the Democrat rather than because they like Katie Hobbs. That's what I think. It's funny because Barack Obama called, uh, indirectly called uh, Carrie like lit. She was like, you know. Um, and so my daughter was like, Mom, she's a whole vibe, right? Like, it's just, you know, that, that's kids speak. She's like, Mom, she's a whole vibe. So, Definitely, it's like like Carrie like says, it's a movement, right? And it's bigger than her at this point. You know, it's the whole America first. You know, the whole team. They're they're a whole movement. Now, now it's funny because I'm sorry, we don't push anything on our children, right? So even though I don't want them coming home with you know this confusion that's out there on TikTok or out there in the schools, um, one of my uh, followers just this morning, 
he was like, you're awake, not woke. And I have a problem with the term woke. I don't, I hate it when the right uses it. Me but as I well. told him, I said, you know what? I'm going to steal that because I love that awake, not woke. Because, and real quick, woke first got popular with Spike Lee. And it was a positive thing to be woke because that means that you were paying attention to your surroundings. You weren't just sleepwalking through life. You were, you know, it was positive back then to be woke. So they flipped it and they, you know, kind of made it into a negative. But I told him this morning, I said, you know what? I'm going to use that. I'm awake that woke. I said, I can live with that. I think that word has been co-opted like so many other words. I mean, we've re- we've redefined everything from the word vaccine and pandemic to the word recession. Uh, and we've done and seen a lot of things in the last hundred years where we've changed, um, you know, history by changing words. We've changed people's perceptions by changing uh, the narrative. And one thing I've always noticed is that, um, again, I'm not really not part of a political party. I I like to continuously emphasize that to my listeners, but I recognize that if someone says I can't stand to be around liberals or I got to move to like a red state, like I've been guilty of saying those things myself. I think, hold on a second. That kind of sounds wrong because classical liberalism, classical is classical conservatism. It's almost like you've gotten people to hate liberals, but liberals are the ones that brought you the advances in human a society and culture that led to people being considered and accepted and under law uh, uh, seen as equal. Um, have you ever thought about that or noticed that? It's like a changing of the words that take something that's good and make it bad and take something bad and make it good. It's very strange. It's a lot to right. kind of process. See, I was a history major, so I understand what you're saying, but I think the, you know, the, the average person who's just you know, on Twitter or just you know, paying attention to what politicians say they don't get that that deep into the history of, of the way things work and how things have been flipped. So for them, you know, it's very surface. It's very surface level. Of course. So I think that's kind of like the distinction. Now for me, because um, it's funny, <laughs> I'm, I've kind of been all over, but I've spent a, the bulk of my life in California. So when we left California, my main focus in going to a quote-unquote red state I didn't even research the education. I researched the gun law. (laughs) (laughs) Because I am staunchly uh, 2A. And in California, there's just so many restrictions, right? But that was one of my my husband and I, when we decided that, you know, we were going to settle down in Arizona full time. That that was part of it. It was Arizona or Utah. And that was part of what did it was was the 2A. So I kind of get not wanting to be in a blue state. Um, if you are too right? The only reason I bring that up is because I, I tend to associate red with more extremist left-wing communism, red, red party, ah, red terror. Okay. That's, that's, that's what I meant yeah. by that. But I, I understand what you're saying. I'm not like a fan of guns, but I, I guess having a gun, because I have a couple guns, makes you a fanatic. And I've even been told it makes me a white <laughs> supremacist and a racist. I don't know how owning a gun makes me a racist, but it's one for the philosophers to figure out. Uh, Christy Kelly, our guest this evening, Kelly for the number four Arizona on Twitter. Uh, we have quite a bit of time left here in this segment, and we have quite a bit, I think, to still talk about. Uh, we've looked at everything, I think, tonight from racial issues and discrimination from certain political parties to abortion, hot button, hot topic issues. 
But I think there's a lot of other stuff we could discuss too, because you have um, this this group, Humanity Assemble, the foundation, and you mentioned briefly earlier about fathers' rights, and uh, this right. is this is something that never gets. In, in my view, from my experience, never gets discussed in almost any kind of media. Um, I've done a couple of shows, Christy, where I've talked about how, uh, you know, men make up the largest percentage of homeless people. Uh, men tend to represent the highest death tolls in both the military uh, in in the workforce. Men suffer from suicide and uh, at, at a much higher rate. It's like 72 percent are suicide for male um, there's no, there's hardly any shelters for men when they suffer domestic abuses or sexual abuses, which they, which domestic abuses, they suffer at about 50, 50 split between men and women. So you look at these kinds of things and, you know, as a guy, I'm not a, a, a male, right, uh, uh, man, right activist, but I, I think of the statistics for that. And I wonder why is it that men just get written off men get dumped to the side almost as if they're insignificant and have no relevancy in society that's i feel like that's a really dangerous thing kind of sounds like i don't mean to ramble here but it kind of sounds like when the roman empire would conquer a territory they would execute all the men and take a handful of them as slaves because then they could take the the women as wives or as you know as sexual partners and then they would raise the children to be subservient to the roman ideology kind of sounds like a cultural version of that. I don't know what's your take on that from being a history major and also uh, your foundation. Yeah, for sure. So what I've seen, because I, you know, I went to law school and really quickly I realized that I did not want to practice traditional law. So I went back and I got my master's of law in mediation and dispute resolution. And I started doing a lot of family law mediation. And what I would find is it was a revolving door where a lot of the issues were not issues that I could solve in mediation. So they would keep coming back, which was great for business, but it wasn't good for helping to contribute to society and building families. I remember I was, um, I'll never forget, it was a young um, Mexican, um, at that time he was Mexican, um, guy, and he were caucusing, so we're separate from the mother, and he came to me and he leaned in and he said, at this point, I'm going to walk away and I'm going to, um, see my child when he becomes an adult because if I stay, I'm going to end up doing something that I'm going to regret. And normally I would have tried to talk him off the ledge. I would have put the look in his eye and he had tears and I believed him in that moment. And so I knew at that moment that I had to do something bigger to, to actually help men in his situation. So I started the foundation. And what I do for men is a lot of times, um, the reason they can't make it in their family unit or they're struggling or maybe they're married and just are missing it somewhere is because they need assistance that they haven't been getting. So we're seeing a lot of men who maybe have been abused as children and never got counseling or maybe they um, are working two or three jobs and they need to have um, better employment. So they need training or maybe they're just kind of lost and need a life coach. A lot of men don't, you know, reach out and say, hey, I need help. Or maybe there's some substance abuse and they need referrals. So what we do through our agency, and um, my husband and myself, we, we run this, is we look at the father in a whole holistic manner. And we help plug in the holes with referrals. And my husband's a life coach and he's also a personal trainer. And he also does like a lot of family wellness stuff. So we really help the men so that when they do 
come to the table and have to mediate their issues. They're coming more from a place of wholeness and that they can actually um, be the best fathers that they can be. That's fantastic. I rarely hear that from anybody. And it's great that you have a foundation that focuses on that. I've always told people when I hear them say things like, you know, a woman's role in the household, this is sexist, it's discriminatory, etc. But I think a lot of people don't recognize that historically speaking, just from here in this country, the foundation of this country from colonial times, a woman's place in the household was equal to a man's place in the legislature or on the battlefield Women tended not to do those things. This was just the development of society and the development of uh, Western civilization. Uh, And men suffer uh, for similar types of reasons, different things in the same way that women suffer. But if we're only focusing on one and not the other, then there's obviously a lopsidedness there that leads to even probably more suffering, more pain uh, for men in particular. So just like with everything else, we need to take a balanced approach to these issues and when we hear about things like, like for example, crime and violence, I've read the statistics, men are statistically more likely to experience violence, usually because it's, it's other men and there are a lot, of, a lot of complex issues for that. In the same way that when we talk about racial violence, it's not white on black, black on white crime, it's white on white, black on black crime. It's within your own race or within your own uh, gender, your own sex. You put all these things together and it just seems like culturally we've selected and cherry picked little tiny fragments of fragments of fragments of data points to create these perceptual issues that don't actually exist. And it hurts everybody, no matter what their genitalia is, no matter what their skin color is. And it seems to be almost like a form of cultural genocide, if I can use that term. Does that make sense? That's that's what I'm seeing. It does. And and I think that, you know, it it starts when they're children, right? Like men are told not to cry, not to complain, not to whine. You know, it's not manly to, to, you know, to say you're hurt. So when we reinforce that into our youth, they grow up as men and they're, they're holding in a lot. So a lot of times domestic violence in the home, if it's perpetrated on a man, they're not going to complain or they're not going to, you know, they're definitely not going to report her. They're not going to say anything. The same thing, if they need help, if they need professional counseling, they're also not going to, to reach out and to get it, especially in black and brown um, communities, again, because that's not something that men in those communities typically do. So definitely plugging in the holes there. Would you say that? I also, another thing that I also promote, obviously, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, another thing that I obviously promote is in all areas, mediation over litigation. Because the second you hire attorneys and go into court, especially in family law matters, it becomes adversarial. And no matter what, even if you're going to get a divorce, you still have to operate as a family unit. So I'm all about mediating issues, dispute resolution and using litigation as the last resort. And I, I don't think that's preached in our society either. No, 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 it certainly is not. That's, I mean, that's why you decided to not practice traditional law, correct? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Especially, now I do do other types of mediation. I, I work with cities. Um, I work with all different types of um, entities. But in my family law um, practice, I definitely see that. The second you hire attorneys, it just, it ratchets everything up in the box. 
say, and the first thing they tell you is stop talking. And that should not be the first, right? You, you need to keep the communication. But how can you co-parent if you can't talk to, you know, the other parent? Yeah, that's a good point. So I want to ask you this question. Um, I think this is a social, cultural trend or it's just something like I don't use a lot of social media, but it's something that a lot of younger people, uh, they use the, the memes or the, the images. People talk a lot about like young girls want to be treated with respect and they want to be queens and princesses and all these things. But, you know, a, a lot of women have also pointed out like, you know, I've seen authors and public speakers, women that I guess I could say they're within our camp in terms of what we're discussing here. They say that in order to be treated like that, you need to act like that. You can't be an entitled person. You can't be someone who just demands things. Like if you act like a woman, then a real man will treat you like a woman and vice versa. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I was always raised to be feminine, not a feminist, right? So that's kind of, you know, my, <laughs> yes. my mother who's been married for, you know, 47 years now. That's the, that's the model that she instilled. And that's what I try to to instill to my children. Now, again, like I was telling you, I don't force anything on, on my children because if you force a child, if you tell them they have to believe this way, then as soon as they get older, they're just going to rebel from you, right? As soon as they can or as soon as they're out of your eyesight, they're just going to do what they want to do. But if you're the model, right? So if you're feminine, if you show respect to all people, but especially, you know, your husband, if you can show respect to your children, then you model the society that you want to create. I could not agree more with that, Christy. Christy Kelly is our guest this evening. We've got about two minutes to break. So unless you want to stay with us for another half hour, um, you want to give out uh, your website and your Twitter handle. And- sure. It is humanityassemble.com. That is the website. And then my Twitter handle is Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, the number four, Arizona. All right. And you're... Not that this matters right now, but you said you're also going to be thinking about running for office in 2024. I am going to. I'm definitely running. I'm going to get with my team and going to see um, which office is most feasible, which office is, you know, the, the best fit. But I'm definitely running. So, yeah, please look out for me soon. I mean, it, it actually starts, what, November 9th, right? The election well, right. season starts. But. Right. Yes. <laughs> But officially, I'll be declaring after the first of the year. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show, especially on short notice tonight, Friday night, Christy Kelly. Uh, the name C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. Again, Humanity Assemble Foundation. Uh, if I could just real quickly get you to answer one last question. Uh, I did just briefly mention it. Could, could you just briefly touch on the interracial violence between it's white on white, black on black, Hispanic on Hispanic, and how the media twists that to be white people targeting black folks as if black folks and Hispanic folks can't also be police officers, which in most cities, it's about a 50-50 split roughly. Can you talk to that quickly? Ooh, I don't think that's a quick answer. I mean, I think (laughs) if we go back to class issues, right, who we're most around is most likely um, who's going to perpetuate the mm-hmm. crime on the next person. So I think it's more of a class issue than it's going to be a function of, you know, interracial race. Well, you see, and, you, you know, I'll probably leave that. 
you did say that earlier. You said a class issue, and and uh, we could discuss that in, in a lot more uh, detail. Maybe we can have you back soon, and we can uh, have a yeah, discussion. Yeah, have that. me back because you, yeah, you, you threw a huge question at me there at the end, and that would lead us into another hour. Well, we're <laughs> yes, it would. Let's do that on another show. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to tease it a little bit. Again, Christy Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Uh Uh-huh. This is great. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. You have a good night. Bye-bye. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Another half hour coming up right after this. It is the donkey in the room. We'll address what that donkey is when we come back from break. www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com tstradio at protonmail.com Find The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player and stay with us. There's more after this. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with thedavidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. You are tuned into the Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Christy Kelly just joined us for 90 minutes little improv 30 minutes of additional radio that she was nice enough to join us for humanity a symbol is her foundation you should go check that out she's located here in arizona she joined us initially to discuss her experience as a first-time republican voting in the upcoming midterm election next week and the way that she was treated at a democrat event here in the state by white Democrats who told her to get to the back of the little gymnasium audience hall 
because, well, she was Republican or they assumed something about her, maybe because of the color of her skin. I just find it so strange because I've experienced the same thing. I don't have dark skin. I have light skin, have a lot of native uh, ancestry myself, Indian ancestry. You can't see that, though. So because of the color of my skin, I've been discriminated against, but only because I'm not a Democrat or because I'm also not a Republican and I can't be put into a box. I'm not exactly sure what the reason is. We had a good conversation with Christy. I'd love to have her back on the show again. And you can, of course, find her on Twitter. We give out the Twitter handle, Kelly for Arizona. Kelly, the number four for Arizona. You know, we tend to recognize the elephant in the room, regardless if we choose to address its presence. And, the, you know, the, the, the more the elephant is moved out of the way, the more that we do address and, and we do uh, actually recognize the elephant in the room, we, we, we might recognize, or at least I've recognized, that the elephant is obscuring something else. The elephant is obscuring another animal, a donkey, dead in the center of the room. And that donkey demands that we focus our attention on the elephant and that we ignore everything else. So we were discussing with Christy how if we just stop making every issue about the color of people's skin, like Morgan Freeman famously stated, then we could eliminate those racial issues that are constantly, consistently, and obsessively brought up by every form of media. I don't like talking about the color of my skin. Neither does she. I don't think most people do like talking about the color of their skin. It's so primitive. It's so tribal. We're more civilized than that. Or at least we should be more civilized than that. We should be wiser than that. We should be more intelligent than that. We should be above that. We shouldn't reduce ourselves to pigmentation. And that certainly shouldn't dictate and direct the way that we vote or the way that we think about the world. Someone at this rally here in Arizona told our guests this evening that they were sad because she's a Republican and that made this white Democrat sad because this woman with dark skin is a Republican. I mean, what is wrong with this picture? What is wrong with this image? We watched in the last year, and this is official statistical data, millions of people of every race, color, and creed have switched their voter registration from Democrat to Republican. We've seen independents, libertarians, shift their support to the Republican Party. Not the Liz Cheney Republican Party, but the what they call New Republican Party. Now, I'm not a Trump supporter, you know that. I would like to see, yes, America be placed first because this is America. This isn't a, you know, a goodwill operation for the rest of the world. But I would like to see my state of Arizona here or my home state of Florida, like to see everybody in the state do well, have access to food and running water and have access to fuel and not have to pay massive amounts of money to have the basic necessities of a first world nation. I'd like to see homeless people not live on the street. I'd like to see people not carry crack pipes down the side of the road, not because it's unsightly, which it is, but it also indicates that there's something corrupt and decaying and putrefying 
within the system of government, within the system of social and cultural things, issues. There's something wrong with that picture. What's wrong with that picture? Can you figure it out? We, we coddle criminals. We coddle people that are drug addicts. We, we, I mean, here in Arizona, and in, I know in Texas as well, it's almost as if federally and even at the state level, drug cartels are being coddled. One of the guys running for office here in Arizona, he was a, an attorney for the drug cartels, but he wants your vote to make Arizona safer. What's wrong with this picture? I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a donkey in the room, not just an elephant. There's a donkey in the room. So many people switching parties, all these fake polls and statistics. I mean, you can watch CNN, you can watch Sean Hannity, you can watch independent media. And no matter what you think about politics in general, the reality is it is our system of representative government, our fragile republic, which contains all of the things that you take for granted that allows us to live in the exceedingly less free way that we already do. I don't think most Americans have any context or any perspective for what it's like to live in, I don't know, the slums of India or the apartheid that is Israel or the apartheid that is large parts of Africa dominated by warlords and slave chieftains like this was the 17th or 18th century or before or in large parts of the Middle East or in parts of Asia or in parts of South America, Cuba, or now even Canada for that matter. Our system is based on good ideas, good uh, policies, and good people, good representation, open discussion. These are things that benefit everybody, not just one group or another. And we cannot allow people to make free speech and self-defense issues of skin color, gender and sexual identity. It's nonsense. You want to help protect women Stop allowing 80% of women to be raped on their way to being trafficked out of South America and Central America into the United States. If you want to help women, you want to protect women, encourage women to learn self-defense and own a firearm, or at least, I don't know, like most women do, most men do, have some pepper spray or carry a knife, something for self-defense to know that you're not just going to be a perpetual victim. That's on the physical front. The mental front is taking away a woman's ability to create life, taking away the, the, the curvature and the femininity of a woman and transferring it like it's a bus pass to men with mental illness one way or another, whether it's accepted and should be discussed and people could be helped or people that are actually mentally ill that need a different kind of help and telling them they're women and a traditional woman is not a woman. That's not a conservative Republican issue. Anybody in their right mind recognizes that is insulting to women, that is demeaning to women, that is degrading of women. This is a double standard that is held by people that can't seem to break away from the traditional tribal political affiliations. 
People are pouring into the Republican Party because it's simply the vehicle now for what most people would agree even 10 years ago would be logic and reason. Would, would be something that we can all agree that we might disagree on certain things about how to do certain things, but we can definitely agree that a woman can have a child and a man cannot. Basic biology, basic science. But this is a post-factual world, is it not? This is post-modernism. This is a world dominated by intellectual, progressive, technocratic ideology that seeks to replace the man first, then the woman, and then to replace even the homosexual crowd because there's no such thing as binary, so you can't even be homosexual in order to merge man with synthetics, which seems to be the ultimate goal of the technocracy, of the status quo. The donkey in the room, historically speaking, is that contemporary Democrats are obsessed with skin color. You don't vote for them, you're not black. Don't worry, those poor kids, they're just as talented as the white kids. Contemporary Democrats are obsessed with sex and gender, but these aren't really Democrats, are they? This is the problem. We have Democrats that listen to this show. Do they think that? Do you actually think that sex and gender, that the color of somebody's skin should be the defining factor in how they're identified or treated? Should they get special treatment? No. You don't get special treatment because of the way that you look. That's no different than getting poorer treatment because of the way that you look because it is affecting other people, treating people fairly regardless of what they look like or how they identify that's something that drives society forward. It doesn't putrefy and decay like we're seeing in areas of the country or even the world where these ideologies take precedent. Contemporary Democrats are obsessed with these things to the point where if you're a woman and you say, I'm going to vote for a Republican, hosts on The View call you a roach in the same way that Joe Biden called little black children roaches. Same terminology, decades apart. Why do you think that is? Because these people are showing you now, finally, who they really are. Sure, it's not the same Democratic Party of John Calhoun, 1828, or even the same Democratic Party that started the Civil War, where they put into the Confederate Constitution, Negro slavery will be protected because they wanted to nullify the federal Constitution, knowing that it did not allow for the institution of slavery. They didn't like the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which just codified what was already in the U.S. Constitution. They wanted to nullify it. They created the Ku Klux Klan. The progressive ideology of the 20th century led to the overthrow of Tsarist Russia. It led to the destruction and the decay of the Republic of Germany in the 1920s, partly also after the Second or the First World War, before the Second World War. It led to the destruction of Italy. Fascism was progressivism. Progressivism was fascism. This changed in the midpoint of the 20th century. And we saw around the time of the 1960s in the civil rights movement, communities of color began to fall apart. They were stronger after slavery within a generation than they were decades after slavery when Protections were put in place, supposedly largely by Democrats, although that's not totally true either, to protect them, though those 
laws and policies, etc., were actually just copy and pasted from what the Republican Party did in the 1860s. Now, I'm not sitting here defending either party or demeaning one party or the other. I'm saying there's an ideology that takes many forms. Fascism, technocracy, progressivism, whatever you want to call it, eugenics, homicidal psychopaths, they'll take any vehicle they can to get to their destination, which is the extermination of large portions of the population based on certain racial and ethnic stereotypes and cultures and creeds and religions, etc. And then ultimately, which is out of the scope of tonight's show, the merging of organic life with synthetic life. Now, when you see such an ideology, you're seeing class warfare. You're seeing struggle sessions, book burnings, cultural revolutionary type stuff, French revolutionary stuff, exterminate all of our political opponents, prevent them from running from office, convict them in a court of public opinion that they are not fit to run for office, put them in jail, arresting political opposition, preventing them from running for office, preventing people from speaking, canceling, censoring, banning, shadow banning. These are tactics that are used by unpopular people people that have ideas that are unpopular or they have no ideas at all and no enthusiasm. The Democrat donkey in the room is that former slaves voted against their masters. So this led to post-slavery massacres at voting centers, intimidation and fear, which led to former slaves voting for Democrats instead of Republicans. And in less severe cases, Republican ballots just disappeared. They didn't show up at the polling places, which, funny enough, in contemporary times, a few months ago, Secretary of State for Arizona, Katie Hobbs, couldn't get Republican tickets to a lot of places and couldn't count the Republican ballots until at least 16 hours after she counted her own. This is all official local news. Very similar tactic to what happened in the 1800s. The attempt today to remove all voting identification standards, pack the Supreme Court, overturn the filibuster, and maintain one state political party control is not democracy based on representative Republican government. It is democracy or authoritarianism. It is a one-party state which controls and is controlled by corporations, media, and big banks. It is, in essence, a fascistic state. Getting rid of these voting identification standards is precisely what slave owners wanted to do during the Constitutional Convention. They wanted to count their property as people to obtain more political representation. That's the truth of the three-fifths compromise. It met them in the middle. And this is what we see today, undermining the votes of legitimate legal citizens. If you don't count your property as a person, you count them as property, you can't count them as a person to gain more representation to further suppress those people. This is the donkey in the room that is putrefied today. If we just stop discussing race as the foundation of every issue, maybe the issues that we think we have will evaporate. Perhaps this is the reason that regardless of your political affiliation, you seem to have one political party or a piece of it acting as a vehicle for everybody to come together and others that are a vehicle for low enthusiasm, low information, vile individuals who still cannot step off of their tribal land in the intellectual or lack of intellectual that is sphere they've exchanged brutal slavery 
for a welfare system of psychological political slavery on a type of plantation kind of ghetto. It's basically what Thomas Sowell called redneck culture, which involves poor, illiterate people acting in arrogant and savage ways, people that don't speak the language, people that are poor, and then using those people for political representation, getting them to vote for you. We'll take care of you. We'll give you some free things. And that's not African culture, so much of, quote, black culture. It's an insult to black communities and black people. And it's an insult that white liberals pander to it. I've experienced in my life uh, a white liberal man telling my boss at a business I worked at years ago that I was a Hitler glorifier because someone asked me, what's a good movie you've seen? And I said, Dunkirk by Christopher Nolan, my favorite director, one of my favorite directors. They said, why did you like Dunkirk? And I said, I thought he portrayed the Dunkirk event very unbiasedly. And he depicted that, you know, and portrayed that Hitler had an opportunity to kill those men on the beach, but chose not to because he wanted a, he wanted an alliance with the British to go into Russia. It's not that's not in the movie, but that's what I said. Apparently, that's glorifying Hitler. White liberal man told me that he actually broke up a conversation I was having with a Puerto Rican girl and told my boss that I was being racist against her. I don't even know what that means. Because of, and then he told another kid at this at this place I worked, um, kid that was going to school in the area. He just started. He got a job there, dark skinned individual, and told him I was racist. Don't talk to me. This is the kind of thing that we're dealing with. And it's not just people like me. Our guest this evening, Christy Kelly, lifelong Democrat, became a Republican, strong family values. She goes to an event, plenty of white, black, Hispanic, and everybody else there. Everybody's cool except, well, some of the white liberals that didn't like the shirt that she was wearing. Is that a way to bring people to your side? Even if she's wearing a Republican shirt or a shirt that says, I love America, whatever it is, if she's there to listen and she's not causing an issue or anybody's there to listen, not causing an issue, then what is the issue? Don't you want them to hear your platform? No, they just want to intimidate you to vote for them. That's, I guess you could say, raw democracy if that's how you're breaking it down. It's mob rule. It's one state, uh, one party state. That's why people are flocking to the Republican Party, not because they're Republicans with traditional Republican values, whatever the hell those are. It's because they recognize that things like inflation, things like crime, etc., aren't even being addressed by the other party. Used to be we'd discuss the issues and then we'd offer solutions and the best solution hopefully would win. Now there isn't even a discussion of the solution. It's just a denial that these things even exist. It's like Nadler, the penguin, when he said, Antifa's a myth. Just like Valingdingham, how do you pronounce his name? Val Valingdingham. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Former uh, Democrat uh, congressional member back in the 1800s. He claimed that the terrorist, pro slavery, pro racist groups were just a myth, just like Nadler did with Antifa, which is a communist organization founded largely in Germany in the 1930s. These people are religious political zealots. They're not interested in having a conversation. They're interested in their identity. They're interested in advancing their identity. They don't want to debate. They don't want to discuss their policies because they know they're unpopular. They mirror, they project, they lie. And that's not just politics as usual. 
it is in a sense. That's how politics always goes down. But this is, this is just the introductory level to what you see happening. That's the basic component of what you see happening. The words of Martin Luther King, for example, have been inverted. We don't judge people based on character. We judge them solely on skin, gender, political identity. Ryan doesn't wear a mask at work or he doesn't put a mask on his two-year-old son. He's a Nazi. My son was called a Nazi at two years old. I was called a white supremacist. I was called a Hitler apologist. I was called a white nationalist. I was called a Republican as if that's supposed to be an insult or something. All these terrible names. People lied about me to try to get me fired. Luckily, we have video cameras at this business that I worked at that showed that they were actually lying. I had witnesses back me up who were standing right there when I was called these horrible names and accused of stuff that I didn't say right there on the spot. And this is just what I've experienced. I mean, I was living in Rochester, so I mean, should I expect something different? But in other words, if you don't vote for that tribe, regardless of your skin color or gender, then you're a racist, an Uncle Tom, a bigot, a heretic, a sexist, transphobic, a white nationalist. A friend of mine who worked at that store I was working at, she had dark skin, one of the sweetest ladies you ever, you would ever, you'd ever meet in your life. And she said, I'm, I'm terrified to say that I'm offended by, we had an employee, a white employee that spray painted BLM on the, painted spray painted BLM on the side of the, the building on the window without permission, which is vandalism, you'd think. And uh, this employee who has dark skin told me, I'm, I'm really offended by that. I don't agree with that. I, I, I think that we should just get along rather than trying to act like one group needs more support. And that's what it is. It's, it's white people saying that they are the purveyors of black people. And yet she couldn't say anything. She said her friends called her an Uncle Tom because she didn't agree with it. This is the kind of thing we're, we're talking. This isn't Democrats, by the way. This is a Marxist anti-human ideology. This is Yuri Bezmenov, demoralization, destabilization. This is Soviet psychology. These are the people, and this is the donkey in the room that advocates for safe spaces and free choice while censoring, banning, blocking, segregating, and preventing people from having jobs or engaging in commerce because they don't take experimental shots that they legally don't have to take under any circumstances. These are the people that unleash vile perversions on the youth. These are the people that launch vile verbal assaults on anyone who even dares to be neutral or even shows up at an event to try to get more information on what your political views are. The donkey in the room is the political violence that we see in the form of riots and looting. Billions of dollars of damage. The storming of the Supreme Court. Hey, hey, ho, ho, fascist scum has got to go. The Supreme Court might be the least fascist body ever conceived of by political philosophers. Separation of powers. The least fascist. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Remember that video? Hi, ho, ho, ho. Supreme Court fascists have got to go. Because they don't vote your way in one instance. But the next vote came out about the border and they voted to the left and nobody complained. The storming of the state capital of Arizona, that happened. A bunch of Mongols, basically, and then no offense to Mongols, but just Mongols assaulted the physical building, tried to break the doors down at the Arizona Capitol building. Calls to assassinate judges, attempts, Nicholas Rosk attempted to assassinate Judge Kavanaugh and other judges. He was going to assassinate three. 
Republicans being shot at at baseball games. Republican senators being attacked in their homes. Republican canvassers for Marco Rubio recently being physically assaulted, having dogs sicked on him because he was a Republican. North Carolina congressional candidate just had his home shot up by the same people. People tried to stab the Republican gubernatorial candidate in New York, who's now leading the race against the, the, the disgusting Nancy Pelosi looking Kathy Hochul, who was never even elected. She was selected because the previous governor and the lieutenant governor are under investigation and had to step down because of sexual assaulting of office staff and because of campaign finance fraud, just like the mayor of Rochester, New York. Illegal immigrants breaking into Nancy Pelosi's home and Katie Hobbs' governor office or gubernatorial headquarters here in Arizona. Right before the election, this violence has to stop. Turns out they were illegal immigrants brought into the country by your political policies. We talked about last night some people that were reading a Bible. There's pictures and video of it. Some crazy psychos that no matter what your political view is, you can recognize these people are psychotic. Grab the Bible, tear it up, and eat it in front of them. Try to eat the pages. They're literally, literally like demons or something. I mean, it's just... These are demons. Yeah, they are demons. There is zero condemnation of this violence from the official establishment. We're supposed to listen to women unless they're Republicans. We're supposed to listen to people of color unless they're Republicans. If you're Larry Elder in California, a white liberal woman attacks you in a gorilla mask, physically assaults you because you're a Republican. If you're in Arizona, you can be the Secretary of State, you can be the leader of the Senate, and you can discriminate against Talanya Adams You cannot show up for work. You can botch your job, deregister Republicans. You can lie through your teeth. You can refuse to debate. And you can still say, I'm going to win the election because people don't like my opponent. I'm not going to debate because I'm just going to win anyway. Which shows an arrogance and a conceit for true democracy. A hallmark is debating of democracy. A conceit for the American people. A conceit for the Arizona people. A conceit for your own party. A conceit for democracy. A conceit for the republic. A conceit for basic decency. And the double standard in the mainstream media is obvious, but there's also a double standard in independent and alternative media. You know, these things still matter, even though a lot of times it is the lesser of two evils, two bowls of crap that you get to select from. But our system of representative government, fragile republic, things that we take for granted is based on good ideas and good policies and good people and good representation. You know the people that are like, well, i got to just socialism, communism. You don't get to keep your house under those policies. It it belongs to the government. You don't get to live in your parents' basement and then just get handed free stuff. They take everything from you, and then you you live worse than a peasant. You live worse than a slave. Same thing for the people that are like, I just, I'm not going to even participate. It's just all stupid, and no matter what I do, it doesn't matter. No, what you do does matter. Because if we're talking about election fraud, it's a slim, tiny little bit, like a few thousand here, a few thousand there. It's not that the whole system is rigged. We need open discussion. We need good people. And as you can see by looking around you, despite what the Ministry of Truth attempts to convince you of, there is a donkey in the room, and very few wish to discuss that donkey. Christy Kelly joined us tonight. Kelly for Arizona on Twitter to talk about this and other issues. 
Really good conversation. Her website, humanityassemble.com. Our website, thesecretteachings.info. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy your weekend. We have another great guest coming up on Monday. Athena Walton will be joining us. I believe he's in Mississippi to talk about the midterm elections. And then we're going to get into some ancient history next week rather than just some more recent history. I want to talk about megalithic, monolithic structures. Um, I've been reading a lot about Mesoamerica, Central and South America, uh, comparisons to Egypt, Africa, Asia, ancient civilizations, Graham Hancock type stuff. We're going to get into that next week as well. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Don't be afraid, be informed. Check out The Secret Teachings on any radio podcast player and subscribe on our website. You can also use the Cash app instead of PayPal. Money sign R.D. Gable. That's money sign R.D. Gable. Buy my books on the website, Liberty Shrugged, my new one. I think you'll really enjoy it. Have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday. Monday.